0: comes to some of that stuff, I have, I can, I can tend to have a critical spirit about music sometimes. I'm very critical about some of it. Number 12 came in, a song that said if stained glass could talk and if pews could shout. So no biblical foundation for anything that was being sung. Uh, number 11 was a song that was written based on a Facebook post that, again, sounded like it could play on country music radio. And um, I listened to four different people be interviewed about those three songs that I listened to. The four people that were interviewed said it was a good radio song. They said, the people have responded well. Uh, They said, uh, the Facebook post really touched my heart. And I was fascinated that these people singing gospel music, none of them said we recorded this song to glorify the Lord. Nobody said that it pleased us that the Lord has blessed us the way that He has. No one acknowledged the Lord. And I said all of that to say this. It is refreshing to hear a testimony of any kind. Not just this morning. I have thought back to the recent testimonies that we have heard in our church that glorify the Lord. If we come to church and we say, boy, the devil's rode me all week long, then he receives a word of praise. If we come to church and our testimony is, man, I have, I have really fought this week to read my Bible and serve the Lord. Then the attention comes to us. But if we just say, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, then we are magnifying Him. And it thrills my soul. I, just a couple of weeks ago, I heard a testimony that said, I want to thank the Lord for a sovereign God who watches over my every step. I heard someone say, salvation is not mine. It belongs to the Lord. And that magnifies Him and honors Him. And I am so grateful this morning that that is what we have come here to do is honor and magnify the Lord. John said in his writings, Jesus uttered the words. He said, for without me, ye can do nothing. Without me, ye can do nothing. And I, I know and realize I have talked about that verse in the past, but it is still a verse that I marvel at, Brother Ralph. You would think, you would think in, in all of the magnificence of the creation that God made in a body that moves when our brain tells it to move, our mouth speaks when our brain tells it to speak, you would think that somehow we could do something Christ said, without me, ye can do nothing. Nothing. Every language you look up the word nothing in, it means you can do nothing without Christ. What a God we serve. If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Matthew chapter number 16, is where I want us to turn our teaching today. I find myself often saying it is a familiar text. But it is a familiar text. Matthew chapter number 16. Every gospel that I know of mentions this particular uh, discourse of the Lord with the Pharisees and the disciples. Uh, It is uh, mentioned in every gospel in some way or form. This morning we'll take it from Matthew, beginning in verse number 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels. Then shall reward, shall he, he shall reward every man according to. To His works, verily I say unto you, there be some standing here shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. I want to concentrate this morning on the early verses of this passage that I've read to you. I want to go to the Lord in prayer and ask for His help in what's done here today. Father, it is once again that I am humbly before You. Thankful, Lord, for another privilege, God, that You've given me to stand and proclaim Your Word. Lord, I want to acknowledge before You and before men that I'm not worthy to be able to preach this Gospel that is so wonderful and so glorious. And Lord, there are many days in my life, God, when I do not understand why You would have called such as I, to preach this magnificent Word. I am grateful, Lord, for the opportunity. And as Paul said, woe is me if I preach not the Gospel. Lord, I pray this morning that that would be the very thing that goes forth to the hearts and to the ears of the believers today and the unbelievers alike. That God, Your Word would enter in, it would penetrate, it would convict, it would draw, Whether they be saved or lost this morning, I pray that your hand would do a work in the heart of every person that is represented here today. It is my desire, Lord. It is my desire, God, to please you. Oh, God, we realize, Father, the message that is in our hearts this morning, Lord, is one of great heaviness and great burden. And, Father, I pray that, Lord, you would help us, God, Uh, to be relieved of this burden, Lord. You said, Lord, that we could cast it all upon You because You care for us. And Father, today, I pray that You'd help us to do that that would be pleasing to You and in Your sight here this morning. Lead us now, God, and guide us through this service through the remaining part of this day. And Lord, we'll be careful to give You thanks. In Christ's name, amen. I am preaching this morning on a thought that <clears throat> I have not used or thought about in many years, probably ten years or longer since I have considered this thought, I was brought to this thought by reading a commentary on this particular portion of Scripture. And uh, the commentator said that uh, we were losing to win. And the thought came to my mind of a, of a thought that I had many years ago, Uh, There was advertised back in the day about our U.S. military, I believe it was the army, that used the slogan, uh, We're looking for a few good men. And uh, that was a slogan they used to try to gain folks into the military, to recruit them, We're looking for a few good men. I begin to think on this passage of Scripture. Verse 25 says, Whosoever will save his life shall lose it, Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. That little slogan for the military came to my mind, and, and uh, the Lord put the thought in my heart, uh, God is looking for some losers. God is looking for some losers. And if I had a thought to present to you this morning, it would be simply that thought that God is looking for, For losers, people who are not interested in saving themselves, but rather they are interested in losing themselves to the glory, to the honor of God. People that are interested in setting self aside, that He may be glorified and magnified through our lives, however He so chooses to do that. I'm going to look at a few things this morning that may be, may be difficult to hear and that may be hard to apply to our lives. But nonetheless, it is truth. We live in a time period on earth that is different from any other time period that has ever existed in a matter of spiritually speaking. We live in a day that allows a Christian to live, a so-called Christian, let me say it that way, uh, to live as they please And, and folks are okay with that. We feel sometimes as if it is not any of our business how folks live and what they choose to do and how they choose to act. Christ had a very different opinion on the matter. Christ said that uh, if we do what we do for ourselves to win, then we have already lost. But he said if we do what we do in ourselves to the glory of God, then we are the winners. We are the ones that are successful. But I want to begin uh, backing up just a little bit. The Bible said in verse 21 from that time forth, Began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders, of the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. Peter has always got something to say. It was earlier in this same chapter that Peter, uh, at the question of Jesus, had declared. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter had declared that, and Jesus responded by saying, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee. But he declared that the God of heaven had showed Peter that Christ was the Son of God. Jesus says, I've got to go into Jerusalem. I've got to suffer many things Peter opens his mouth and said, Not so, Lord. He said in verse 22, He said, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. The same Lord that said, Peter, you're a blessed man that God hath revealed this unto thee, said, Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. He said, You're an offense to me. Here's the word offense. He said, You have become a hindrance. To me, Peter, the Lord knew he was on his way to Calvary. He knew that if Peter kept the mind and the attitude that he had, that Peter would be a stumbling block to his road to Calvary. So he chastened him by saying, Get behind me, Satan. It is in this text that uh, the Lord uh, made it known that he is going to suffer And he tells Peter, he said, Thou savorest not the things that be of God, he said, but those that be of men. Peter was not thinking at that moment of glorifying God, but rather his mind was on fleshly and carnal things. Then the Bible said Jesus said unto his disciples, every writer that I read after concerning this text says that what we are reading is discipleship, teaching of what it is to be a disciple of Christ. What it is, that it is required of us as believers to be followers of God. Paul said he wanted us to be followers of God as dear children. Jesus begins in this text by saying that if we... Are to be followers. He said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Spoken to his disciples uh, that they may draw closer to the Lord, but also spoken as if there might have been unbelievers in the congregation uh, to let them know that if you will follow me, if you will believe in me, that it will first require of you To deny yourself. Now I have said many occasions, on many occasions I have said that I believe that many people in the church world as a whole that are professors of knowing Christ uh, are lost and undone without God. I believe our text this morning will demonstrate that there are many in the church of God today that do not know the Lord. It begins with the realization that there are very few people who deny self. That is the first lesson that Christ gives and demonstrates in his lesson on discipleship. He said, if you are going to follow me, if any man, he used that word any, if any man, any person wants to be a follower of Christ, uh, then it will begin with self-denial. The word deny is to completely disown. It is to utterly separate oneself from another. It is the same word that Christ used when he again was speaking to Peter, and he said, Peter, before the cock crows thrice, thou wilt deny me. Peter, you are going to completely separate yourself from me before the cock crows in the morning. You will completely deny me, and you'll separate from me, and you think you'll die for me. It is the mindset of most professing believers. Uh, And it is so because that's what they've been taught, that's what they've learned, it is the terminology. And uh, the problem is, uh, the life that we see does not demonstrate uh, a separated action in self. Most people that we know are self-motivated people. They do what they do to satisfy the natural desires of the flesh. They buy what they buy to satisfy a longing for a certain thing. And we all do that. We pick our times and choose our cars and do all that we do because it is what we like and what we desire. Christ said, that if we are going to come after Him and be His disciples, we must deny self. We must completely disown to utterly separate. Now, the self that He is speaking of is not not disowning who you are as a person. It's not saying that you are to try to become someone else. I said Wednesday night, I try to be who I am everywhere I go. I've had people say, I didn't recognize you with that ball cap on. Well, I like to wear a ball cap if I'm not uh, in a position where I have to be somewhere and present myself better than a ball cap. I like to wear it. And... uh, had a lady tell me many years ago, I stepped off uh, the elevator at the hospital and, and uh, I'd been visiting someone that day and, and it was someone I was really close with and, and they knew me and I was comfortable with them and they were comfortable with me and I would went to see them and I had on jeans and I had on a golf shirt and, and when the lady stepped off, I saw her, she said, I didn't know you. It is not. He is not asking us to change uh, the characteristics of who we are when He says uh, that we ought to deny yourself. Don't deny uh, the fact that, uh, that you like this or you like that in, in being who you are. But what He is asking us to do is to deny the natural lust of sin, uh, to deny the flesh, uh, uh, the temptations that are put before us, to deny anything uh, uh, that would be displeasing to God and would damage his name and reputation. Deny self when it comes out of sin. Understand how that this particular thing that is in front of me, I must separate from my natural flesh, from the natural desires of who this Adamic nature is that I may cling to Christ and cling to Him more than I ever have. It is the natural, sinful, rebellious self that every person has. Let me, let me read you a verse of Scripture if I can this morning. I didn't mark these in my Bible, so bear with me as I try to get to them. And I want to give you some of these Scriptures that go with what I'm preaching this morning. Ephesians 4 and verse 22 says this concerning uh, disowning or denying the natural man. He said that you put off concerning the former conversation. The old man. Did you know that every day of our life, at some point the temptation to return to the old man will rear its ugly head? That is what he is asking us to separate ourselves from. Disown that old man that you once were. Disown the sin that came with being carnal-minded and being lost and undone without God. We must get to the place where we utterly destroy that self and separate wholly from that old man. He said later on in that verse, he said that old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, desires, wants, wishes of our heart. The old man is not there to help you. When we deny self, we confess along with Paul what he said in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18 when Paul said, that is in my flesh there is no good thing inside the flesh of who I am. We must be able to turn from the wickedness of who we once were to the new man of who we have been made in Christ Jesus. Some of you, no doubt, this morning will battle or may already be battling your flesh listening to the preaching. Saying, man, it's awful quiet in here. Your mind will tell you, I wonder what time it is. Your mind will, let me say it this way. Not your mind, but your stomach will tell your mind it's almost dinner time. And you're battling the flesh that says "Hey." I want out of here. But if you're saved, there's another person inside of you that's saying, but listen to what he's preaching. Hear what's being said. Draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. And The scripture can override the old man. But it's a battle. It is a self-denial. And we have problems denying self. You know why? Because we love self. How many of you pampered self a little bit this morning before you came to church? Amen. I'm glad you did. I mean, you got up and showered and cleaned yourself up, washed the stink of the night off of you, I mean, brush the teeth so that we wouldn't smell all of that when we got close to you. You did the things that you needed to do to pamper yourself. You made sure your shirt was ironed. You made sure your tie was right. You made sure your dress was looking right. And you did all those things not for others, but for self. And when you got done, you stood in front of the mirror and said, I'm ready. Used to aggravate my kids about it all the time. I'd get ready. Right when I put the final touches on, I'd look around and say, well, I did it again. Just to aggravate them. I've done it again. What have you done, daddy? I said, look how good I look. <laughs> I'd just aggravate. But listen, somewhere deep down in your heart, that's really how we feel about self. You know, you've heard people say, I said to myself, self, you're looking good today. Self said, thank you. I thought so. We are fans of ourself. But Christ said, if we're going to follow him, we are going to have to deny ourselves. We are going to have to separate from the old man, the old lust, the old rebellion, the old person that did not want God or did not want to abide by the laws of God. We must separate. When we deny self, we confess with Paul that we are nothing, and that is in this flesh dwelleth no good thing. Let me flip to the book of Philippians right quick. I wrote these down because I wanted to read them to you this morning, and I want to give you that right quickly before we move on. And yes, this is another new Bible that the pages are sticking together. My daughter wants my Bibles when I die, so I'm going to preach out all of them before I die and spit on the pages. Amen. Philippians 3, 3 said this, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and listen, here's the part of the verse, and have no confidence in the flesh. If we are believers in Christ, if we are followers in Christ, then what we know is that our flesh will fail us. Our flesh will let us down. Our flesh will mess up. Our flesh will sin. If we follow the old man, the natural man, the rebellious man, if we do not deny that man, then we have put confidence in flesh. Where Paul said as believers we should have no confidence in our flesh. Can I remind you that Jesus said in John 3 that no man can ascend up into heaven? He also said we have no control over the wind, our flesh, and I remind you again that what we've already spoken of of John 15:5 without him you can do nothing. Your flesh is nothing but a sack of bones and muscles and tendons and ligaments. Without Christ it will not move. Prove it, preacher. Back under in the book of Ezekiel, them valley of dry bones, the bones came together, the sinew came together, the muscle came together, the skin covered the body. But until God Almighty breathed the breath of life into them, they lay nothing but dead bodies. Without Christ, nothing. Self-denial. Understanding that men are leaning way too much on what they have accomplished to get them to heaven. There are people sitting here no doubt this morning that they are confident that they are going to heaven based on past events in their life, based on this, that, or the other, but they have not yet denied self. They have not yet taken up their cross. And the Bible said very clearly that those two things must happen before you can follow him. Can't follow him. He said in one of these gospels, he said you're going to have to deny your mother and your daddy if you're going to be a follower of me, if you're going to be a disciple of Christ. You're going to have to deny your family. You're going to have to deny your children. You're going to have to deny everything, take up your cross, and follow Christ. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the days that we live in have produced more, more talk about being a Christian than they ever produced about walk that shows a Christian. Amen. Secondly, he said we must take up the cross. If we're going to be losers for God, we're going to have to take up the cross. Taking up that cross is to be willing to pay any price, any price for Christ's sake. Now, I want you to remember Christ has just told his disciples he's, he's speaking to a group of Pharisees this entire chapter the context sets it as Christ dealing with Pharisaical people uh, he's talking to them about things that they think are right and things that are right and he says in front of these Pharisees uh, and he says in front of his disciples uh, who will eventually have to give their lives uh, for the cause of Christ they will die a martyr's death he said you're going to have to take up your cross uh, you're to have to deny yourself you're going to have to be willing to risk everything to be a follower of me Christ told them in one place the world hates you they hate you Christ said they don't care what you say even in the Old Testament, them old prophets were told, preach this. They're not going to listen, but preach it anyway. Paul said, I've got much to say. He said, but your heart of hearing, your doll of hearing, and the wax has got your spiritual ears bound up to where you're not listening to what's being said. And because of that, there's still many that go lost and undone without God. There's many a child of God that have gone back to the way that they once were and they need to separate themselves back unto Christ. Take up the cross. Be willing to face Whatever's in front of you. That's not easy. That is not easy. Let me remind you if I could quickly of a story in the Old Testament. David had stayed on the rooftop while the battle was going on. And he had watched Bathsheba bathing herself. Lust swelled up into his heart to where he sent for, had her delivered to his house. He committed the great sin of adultery and Bathsheba became with child. David didn't know what he was going to do, so he called Uriah the Hittite, which was Bathsheba's wife from the battlefield. And uh, he said, Uriah, he said, I want you to go in and be with your wife tonight. Uriah said, oh no, I'll not go in and be with my wife. While my fellow brethren are on the front line uh, risking everything they've got for this cause uh, and he slept outside on the door instead of going in unto his wife and uh, listen, ultimately David said, I want Uriah to go to the front line. David had him killed. He sent him to the front line. Uh, Uriah was a seasoned veteran. He was a seasoned soldier. He knew what was waiting for him on the front line uh, but Uriah knew what was at stake uh, and he risked everything and anything uh, to get to the front line line for his king. And he died for David. He died fighting a battle for his king, David, who had committed adultery with his wife, but Uriah was willing to risk everything for this king. And he did. And he gave his life. Do you know why you and I are able to sit in here this morning and worship God freely? We're not worried about the Landis Police Department busting the door in. We're not worried about the SWAT team coming in and hauling us out in the paddy wagon. We're not worried about anything because we have the freedom to worship in a free country and in a free land. We're not worried about it because men like Polycarp was willing to give everything and they hauled him to the stake and they set him on fire Uh, While he was still preaching, uh, it's by grace, through faith, uh, that you can come to salvation. Uh, It said of Polycarp that soldiers were getting born again while he led them to the stake. It's men like Paul who stretched out his neck across a chopping block and said, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul! Died for the gospel. He was willing to take up the cross and follow Christ. And we're not willing to come to church some days. We're not willing to tell someone Jesus loves them. And we feel like we're carrying the cross. Let me say this about this cross. (laughs) This cross that he's talking about is not a physical cross ailment that you may have received at birth it's not what he's talking about it's not cancer that you got last week (sighs) your cross is not a car wreck that you were in you're not carrying a cross and doing those things This cross is taking up the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's hiding the Word of God in your heart. It's being willing and able to stand for the truth of what's right according to the Scriptures, no matter what it may cost you. Paul said he had a thorn in his flesh that he asked the Lord three times to remove. The Lord said, every time I'm not doing it, Paul. Paul said, I learned through that experience that that was to my good. He said, I prayed more. I lived right. I did right. That thorn... That cross, he didn't call it that. He said, that was there to help me. The cross is being willing to carry and stand what Christ stood for and what he went through, what he suffered. If any man would follow Jesus, he's going to have to deny himself. He's going to have to take up his cross. I read something from a writer that I read often and that I love. I love to read after him. But I disagree wholly with what he said. He talked about he talked about us being on the light end of the cross and Christ being on the heavy end of the cross, and we're to take up the light end and go. That's not what the Scripture said. He said we're going to have to deny ourselves, and he said every man take up his cross. Your cross is not my cross, and my cross is not your cross. You're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to bear your load. And by the way, if you study history, Christ carried the cross member of the cross more than likely than he carried the entire thing. cross member weighing somewhere between 110 and 120 pounds that he bore on his shoulders. And there's a cross for us to bear. Richard, you said you thought people were lost. Why would you think that? Not much cross bearing going on. Not much suffering. Listen, these, these, these verses that I've read to you this morning, in and of themselves, absolutely obliterate health, wealth, and prosperity preachers. Absolutely obliterate what Joel Osteen is preaching from his pulpit. They absolutely destroy what these men that are telling you. If you'll send them their money, God will do away with your bills and your troubles and your sickness. It destroys that teaching. And for that, I say hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's false doctrine. It's apostasy. And it's dragging the souls of men and women to hell. There is a cross to bear. We flash in and flash out. And I mean, we just do our thing. And we want everybody to believe we've denied ourselves and that we've taken up our cross. And there's never any suffering, never any heartache, never any trouble. God, help us. I'm telling you, you drive by Benny Hinn's mansion out there, and I listen, I ain't afraid, I ain't afraid to say their names. You ought to stay away from that, John. You ought not tune in to TBN and listen to anybody that's on that mess. Amen? Let me just throw this at you while I'm there. I had a fella that went to my church in Tennessee. He was a property tax assessor. And he went to school in Nashville Had to go over this. And there was a demonstration given how a tax assessor went to the TBN uh, properties up there and uh, was to assess that property. TBN wanted it to be tax-exempt, naturally. The assessor left, and he said, It is not tax-exempt. It is not a place of worship. It is a place of entertainment. And I will not put my signature on a tax-exempt paper for that crowd of people. He didn't know much about the things of God but he knew entertainment when he saw it and he dealt with it. Nonetheless, here's what I'm telling you. As your pastor, I'm telling you stay away from that garbage. Amen. Landis Baptist Church may want you to pay your tithes according to the Scripture. The Landis Baptist Church, as far as I'm concerned, will never tell you that if you pay your tithes, your sickness will go away. I'll never tell you preaching about tithes that if you pay your tithes, you'll never have financial hardships. I'll never tell you that. But what I will tell you is that it is scriptural to pay your tithes it is scriptural for you to give money to the church and it might survive and do what it needs to do. Uh, but I will tell you that in spite of you giving, uh, there's still a cross to bear. Uh, there'll still be problems in your life. Uh, you'll still have to go to the doctor. Uh, you may still get cancer. Uh, you may still lose a child. Uh, you may still go through hardships. Uh, but if you'll go through it uh, to the glory of God Almighty, uh, you'll find what Paul said to be true uh, when he said God told him uh, His grace is sufficient uh, and I'll bear the cross uh, uh, for Him and I'll face uh, what comes my way for the sake of Christ and for Christ alone. There is a cross. You must be willing to endure shame, embarrassment, reproach, rejection, persecution, and even death. If he so chooses. If I said, how many of y'all believe we're living in the last days? I believe almost every one of us would say we're right there. I'll take it another step and I'd say this. I want you to think about it. How many of you believe in those last days that it's possible we may have to give our lives for what we believe? Right here in America. It's very possible. There are people giving their lives, sacrificing themselves right now in foreign countries all over the planet that are dying for the cause of Christ. Listen, I'm not trying to be mean this morning, and I'm not apologizing for what I'm about to say, but we're sitting on cushy pews. Amen. We're in a climate-controlled building where we can adjust the heat however we need to, I mean, we've got electricity running. We've got water fountains hanging on the walls. We've got indoor plumbing. We've got everything we need. And we think we're suffering for Jesus. We think we're bearing a cross. A story about Billy Kelly years ago said, said he had been down preaching somewhere down south, and it's hot. He said he was laying up on the bed. Just come in, got undressed, and was laying up on the bed Said he'd brought in a big old bucket of fried chicken. Phone rang. He said, what are you doing, Billy? He said, I'm just laying down here suffering for Jesus while he licked his fingers from the fried chicken grease. And it was a joke. Naturally, it was. But listen to me. Listen to me. That's almost the attitude that has developed in the churches of our day. I'm down here preaching revival, meeting being put up in a motel at no cost to me. They're feeding me lunch. They're feeding me supper. They're going to take up a big love offering at the end of the day, and we're suffering for Jesus. God help us. Do you know the Bible said, woe unto that man that's spoken well of. You know that. If he ain't doing nothing but tickling your ears and making you happy, then he ain't doing what he's supposed to do. One preacher said this. He said, the problem with preachers in our day, he said, nobody wants to kill them. That's what he said. Think about what he said. Here's what it was said of Martin Luther, that great reformer that, that put that 95 thesis, and I read it the other night, and I don't care what you think about him. What he pinned to the door of the Catholic church was a death wish. It was a death wish. When he called out the Pope and he said, all you care about is indulgences and not the souls of men, he said this is a death wish. Amen. <laughs> listen, I was going somewhere with that. But listen, here's, here's, here's what they said of Martin Luther, most of the independent Baptists of our day. They'll say Martin Luther's no count. You can't listen to him. He didn't get everything right. Surely he didn't get everything right, but neither did the rest of them. They say, well, he was a Protestant. He, he protested. Well, hallelujah, that he got out of the Catholic Church. What's the problem with that? I know not all of them are right. And I know we can't join fellowship and rub shoulders with everything they believe. But what I'm telling you is this. One of the major problems they have with Martin Luther is nobody killed him. Everybody before that had ever objected to what the Catholic Church said died for what they believed. And if you don't think that Martin Luther was willing to die for what he believed, go read what he wrote. He was willing to die for it. What I'm saying is we've got, listen, I'm by no means a many... A bold, call- it-out preacher, like the men of days of old, but I will tell you this: uh, if we ain't got preachers anymore that's willing just to preach the word of God uh, for what it says and upset a few people here and yonder, uh, because it goes against what they've been taught their whole lives, then we don't have preachers. Amen. We have ear ticklers. Jesus said, take up the cross. Be willing to suffer the embarrassment, the the persecution, the shame, even death, if that's what it comes to. Have you you committed to Christ in that manner? And in that way, I'm willing to die for what I believe. Now listen again, I'm not not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to help you. Trying to get your attention as to what Christ was saying. If you've not yet denied yourself, you're not saved. If you've not yet taken up a cross, you're not saved. He said those two things must happen for you to be a follower of Christ. They must happen. Thirdly, this morning, there's going to have to be a loyal obedience. He said you'll deny yourself, take up the cross, and then here's what he said. Follow me. Follow me. The word follow in the text is this mimic what I do, mimic what I say, live like I live, say what I would say, do what I would do. How do we do that in our day? We can't see Him. Yes, you can. It's written on the pages of that book that's in your lap. That's how we mimic Him. That's how we do what he did. That's how we say what he said. That's how we live how he lived. That's how we become obedient. Listen, I'm trying to get down this morning. But I believe, listen, I believe this. Believe this, folk. This is serious business. This is serious business. There are preachers in pulpits across this country this morning who have never denied themselves, have never taken up a cross, and they are lost. There are deacons, there are Sunday school teachers, there are choir leaders, there are choir members, there are lay people that are sitting on pews that do not know God because they have been given a false idea of what it is to be saved. I'm telling you that I could walk into any Bible school classroom in America. I could say, kids, how many of you want to go to heaven? Every one of them would raise their hand. I could say, pray this prayer and repeat after me. They'd all repeat it. And if God ain't dealt with their heart, then I have damaged their brains and more than likely damned their souls. Because that ain't what it is. It ain't about signing a card. It ain't about following a man. It's about, it's about denying yourself, taking up a cross and following Him at least in the world has perverted the gospel. They've given us a Jesus that's nothing more than a hippie walking around in flip-flops with long hair. It's the biggest bunch of hogwash I've ever seen in my life. It sickens me. Hollywood has destroyed uh, the image of Christ and the world has bought into it. He suffered. He bled, he died, he was mocked, he was spit upon, he was beaten, and he did it all that we might be saved. But what do we do? What do we do? I mean, I mean, we're sitting here. People are sitting here on pews, and they're sitting in other churches on pews, and, and they come to church this morning, and surely they know the Lord. They know the routine. They know the routine. They know what somebody drilled in their head. They said, don't let anybody else tell you you're saved. They may not have a clue about you. And don't you, if you're saved, try to convince somebody else that they're saved. You don't have a clue whether they've denied self and taken up a cross and followed Christ. We don't know that. Oh God. Loyal obedience, true discipleship, is submission to the Lordship of Christ. That I'm going to do what He says do. I'm going to go where He says go. I'm going to live like He says live. Full submission to Him. Now listen to me. Be clear. This does not mean you won't falter. If I was to convince you this morning that denying self, taking up a cross and following Christ, meant that you wouldn't ever sin no more, I'd be lying to you. And it would also be devastating to you the first time you did sin. Well, the preacher told me that if I'd do this and do that, then I wouldn't sin anymore. You're going to mess up. So what do you do when you mess up? You repent. One writer said this about repentance. He said children of God ought to display the most repentance to the lost of any other person on the earth. Lost people ought to know that we repent of our sins. And we ask God to forgive us when we fail and when we falter. Lost people ought to know that. It's loyal obedience to Christ. Y'all know what I wished. I wished I could be calm when I'm preaching to you and telling you this stuff. Not be so loud and rowdy about it. So I could show you how my heart really feels when I'm preaching it. Because it comes across sometimes like I'm angry. But listen, what that is is not anger, Brother Gary, passion about what I'm trying to tell you and get you to understand. It's urgency to try to get you to say, see that the building is on fire, that you're sitting in. The building that you're sitting in is burning to the ground, and you're not moving. You're not doing anything to help yourself. Instead, you're hindering others. You're going here and messing this up, and you're going there and throwing gas on the fire. Instead of getting out and getting help, you're hurting yourself. Be listening to me. It's loyal obedience. A couple of weeks ago, when Brother Jimmy had a problem up there. I had a couple of people come and tell me after service. Preacher, I saw the look on your face, and and uh, I was fixing to tell so and so to get their gun out because I thought somebody was coming in to hurt us. They saw an urgency. On my face and If in that moment I would have said folks We're in a situation And I need you to get on the floor As quickly as possible I doubt very seriously any of you would have turned to look back You would have just got on the floor Because you saw the face That came with it my wife said the night we wrecked, she said, Richie, I saw the look on your face and I knew something bad was about to happen. And, and listen, we prepared and we, and we braced ourselves. Uh, and what I'm telling you right now is this, uh, there's a look on my face, uh, there's a look in my heart this morning uh, that I need you to see and I need you to hear. Uh, don't go to hell uh, over a lack of disobedience or a lack of obedience to the words of Christ. Don't go to hell believing you got something that you never got. You know in your heart, you know in your heart, you know in your heart this morning uh, that you still like doing the things you've always done. Uh, You still like going to the places you've always gone. Uh, You've never quit being you. Uh, You've never denied yourself. You've never taken up a cross. And just ever so often coming to church, Or coming to church on Sunday morning or coming back on Sunday night makes you feel a little better about facing the week. Folks, that's not mean this morning. That's from that's from love in my heart. I promise you. Love in my heart. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't care who it is that's listening. Friend, foe, I need you to hear me. If you don't know you're settled, Matt Jester, listen to me. If you don't know you're settled, I'd, want, I'd tell you get it right. I'd tell you that. I'd say, Matt, get it right. And when service is over, if you said, hey, preacher, let's go to lunch, I'd say, all right, let's go. I'm not going to preach to you. I'm not going to preach to you what I wouldn't preach to my own children. And once I've preached it and it's done in my heart, we can go do what you want to. I've warned you and I've told you. There's loyal obedience involved in being a winner. God's looking for losers. If, we're going to lose, if we lose, we win. If we lose ourselves, we win. That obedience to the Lordship, that submission to the Lordship of Christ, it'll become a pattern in your life. It'll become such a pattern that when you're not here, the preacher will say, huh, I missed so-and-so today. I told Lawrence Shipley at Gravel Hill Baptist Church, I said, if the day ever comes, you're not at church. I said, I'm going to the hospital or the funeral home that's where you'll be if you're not at church Lord Shipley had a heart attack a couple of months ago not been able to go to church and those are the things that keep him away what I'm telling you is it develops a pattern in your life when you're submitted to the Lordship of Christ in Acts 5:32, the Bible said and we are witnesses of these things and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given unto them that obey him Every believer, every believer has the Holy Ghost, has the Spirit of God according to Romans 8 and 9. But every believer also becomes characterized by their obedience to God as a pattern of their life. It's a pattern to their life. John 12 and 26 says, If any man serve me, let him follow me, And where I am there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. If we are followers of Christ, we are servants of Christ. And where Christ is, we'll be. Rick Seifert preached a message here a couple of years ago in revival meeting. And he said, even Christ went where God was moving. Christ moved His ministry to where His Father was working. He left from from Judea and He went down here. And He left from here and He went up here. And He moved where He knew God was moving. Listen. Now listen to me. If we say we know Him, we say we know Him, we ought to be where He's at. Make me a sanctuary, He said in the Old Testament, that I may dwell among my people he set a pillar of fire by night on the mercy seat set a cloud by day people of Israel were able to look and know when God was in the house and when he was in the house they wanted to be in the house God is omnipotent he is everywhere all the time but on worship days on worship days, He is certainly found in His house among His people. And folks, I'm just, again, I, I'm trying to just give you the sincerity of my heart this morning. It concerns me. concerns me when somebody tells me they know God and you never see them at worship You never see them. You can drive by their house on Sunday morning. Nothing's disturbed, nothing's moved. Can't remember who it was, said recently, said he was able to, he missed church for the first time in forever. Somebody said, was you sick? What in the world's wrong going on? He said, no, I always just wondered what they did. He said, I stayed home just to try to find out what they did. You know what I found out? when we have to cancel service for weather, you know what I found out? That's a long, boring day to have to be confined to the house and a television. And my Lord, how much TV can somebody watch in one day? What can you do? What I mean, what can you do with this time? This is time I'm to be, I found myself on vacation tuning in to Landis Baptist Church and finding out what's being preached and what's being said during those times. and I, Many will find churches and go to when they're away and different things. I just tune in to our place. It's my favorite place to go and my favorite place to be. And, And I like the preachers we have here, so I tune in to our place. Because at that time, that's where I'm supposed to be and what I feel like I ought to be doing. But folks are able just to Do whatever. One preacher said this. He said in our society today we've made church six flags over Jesus. It's become entertainment purposes. It's become fun. It's become that and the other. And we have convinced, listen, God help. We have convinced our children if they don't have this, this, this and this it ain't a good place to go. And the children now begin to be what's controlling where we worship and what we do. And then when we get to church, we pack them a bag and send them off with somebody that we really don't know a whole lot about. And they do things that we really don't know what they're doing. Are you listening to me this morning? We have created, we have created in the church world a package of entertainment. We have created, we have created an easy way, a broad way that leads to destruction. If you are walking the road of life and you're not getting nicked by the briars and the limbs and the rocks that are on either side of you, you're walking the wrong path. Because he said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. He said, it's a narrow way that leads to God. It's a narrow gate. It's a narrow path. And there's going to be things that's going to reach out and grab you on this way. I don't see one person in this building this morning, Brother Greg, that I don't love. Not one person that I don't love. Not one person that I see that would swell up anger inside of me or would bring hatred to my tongue. I don't see anybody. I see people that I love. So I didn't come in here this morning to chide you, Didn't come in here this morning to whail on you with ball-back religion. I come in here this morning to love you and to challenge you to search your heart and ask yourself, have I, have I denied myself? Have I taken up a cross that makes me willing? Listen, do do you know that the people that he's talking to in the Scripture, in the context that he's speaking understood what the cross was more than we ever will. They had seen men hang and die on a cross. They would soon see Jesus hanging on a cross worse than any other man they had ever seen. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to take up yours. They understood it better than any of us will ever understand it. But they were willing to do it. Question is this morning while we stand, and Brother Matt comes. Are you willing to take the cross? Have you taken it? If you've taken it, are you still walking that way, or have you have you drawn back to the old man? How is it with you this morning? How is it? While I'm